This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with... Cousin Oliver and the Brady Bunch, Robbie Rist. You only did six episodes? And it was the last six. Which is why I get credit for being, you know, the guy who killed the show. (laughs) It's pretty good, actually. If a nine-year-old kid had the power to take down a television (laughs) like that, well, I just can't believe I never got work as an industrial saboteur, (laughs) you know? Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, an OPI show... Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and uh, you're, we are here for yet another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And as I said, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Lou, a lot of things uh, going on. You know, we always like to start the uh, show with a brief discussion on what's going on in our car world and um, last time we got together I was uh, in the midst of yet another uh, trial and tribulation with the tale of the leaking coolant in my 2019 Fiat 500 and a couple of interesting things have happened Uh, last time we uh, talked about it the car was at the dealer for the fifth time car had about 750 miles on it at the time it, n- it now has a nickname and yeah well you're, you're calling it the p a lot right the yeah yeah it's not a fiat it's <laughs> yeah. a p a lot yeah because it likes to take a leak on my driveway so after 11 days at the dealer the car was delivered back to me i uh, this time the dealer actually picked the car up and dropped it off at my house because i basically said i'm tired of driving to and from the dealer and i don't need a loaner so they were happy to to do that which is fine and um you know they had it for 11 days they replaced the coolant bottle they replaced the uh there's like this long hose with a couple of t's in it uh that run from the coolant bottle down to i think it's like the lower radiator hose or something but it's like this whole assembly everything's an assembly these days on cars you just can't go up go out and buy a part you have to buy the entire assembly and uh, anyway so they they did all that and they flushed all the dye out of the system because the dye was still in the system from from the previous visit and um his, the the service manager said it took about four four times to get all the dye flushed out of the system so it's got purple uh, oat coolant back in it which is the correct coolant it's supposed to have so they had it for 11 days, tested it hot and cold, replaced that hose, replaced the coolant bottle, blah, blah, blah. You know, we just want to make sure we're keeping it long enough so it's not leaking. Everything looks great. Less than 24 hours later on my driveway, it's leaking coolant again. Uh, not a lot of coolant, but enough to leave spots on the driveway, drips underneath where you can visibly see, you know, leakage. So at this point, I'm like, okay. I'm calling Fiat directly to get them involved in this because this is just unacceptable. So basically all last week I uh, spent uh, a lot of time on the phone. I had made the initial call to Fiat customer care and I'm using care in, in parentheses and they created a case number and they said a case manager will be calling you back. So then I got a, a call from a case manager, a voicemail uh, like on a Wednesday. So it was the middle of the week 
And then I spent the rest of the week trying to catch up with this person because I kept asking them. I said, you know, I don't answer my phone if unless I know the phone number of the person that's calling me because, like, you know, we all get robocalls on our on our cell phones and I, I only have a cell phone. I don't have a landline anymore. And of course they can't tell me, you know, what number they're going to be calling from. So I left a bunch of voicemail messages for the case manager and, and I could never get through to them. I just leave a voicemail. And it's one of these systems where you don't even get a greeting. It's just like, you know, dial the extension. Then there's like silence. And then it says to record your message. You know, it's not like, hi, this is so-and-so leave a message. And then I tried calling um, the line and just trying to talk to any case manager because the phone menu says stay on the line and the next case ma- available case manager will, will you know assist you. And when somebody answers the phone, it's like, hi, are you a case manager? Oh, no, I'm not a case manager. Well, can you connect me to one? Oh, no, no, I, I, I'm unable to do that. Well, then why does your phone menu tell me that I'm going to be talking to a case manager? You can feel the tension. Yes. So this is this is, you know, and and as we get older, Lou, at least with me and (laughs) and my girlfriend and I were talking about this over the weekend. And I don't like using a lot of business buzzwords. I know you have a whole lexicon of business buzzwords you like to use. But uh, we were saying that, you know, as we get older, our bandwidth for things like this gets narrower and narrower. We just don't want to put up with a bunch of BS. Right. And, you know, it's not the it's not rocket science here. It's a coolant leak, and it's a brand-new car. I mean, it's, just, it's a very, you know, legitimate situation. So anyway, um, so frustration by the end of the week. I'm like, I'm not getting through to anyone. They're not calling me back. So over the weekend, I went to a website called Elliot.org. It's run by a guy named Chris Elliot. His work appears in the uh, Tribune uh, every Sunday, he okay, writes a lot let, about let's, let's travel. Let's define Elliot. Is it two L's, two it's, T's? It's, I believe, yeah, Elliot.org. Okay, two L's, two T's. And it's a consumer uh, website. And basically, it's awesome because they list for, I didn't even look at all the other things, but he's always talking about the travel stuff and the Tribune that he that he writes about. But he has contact, executive level contacts for pretty much any company out there. So I emailed top level executives at Fiat, the CEO um, the, the big guy who took over for Sergio Marchone, um, uh, Mike Manley was his name. I emailed another guy that's another two more head honchos, so three of them. And this was on Saturday morning. Sunday afternoon, I get a call from executive customer service saying, hi, my name is Regina and I'll be handling your case from here on out. So. And now, and, and, and here we are, it's a Monday when we're recording this, so it's less than 24 hours later, and they're supposed to be talking to the dealer today to, to make sure that I'll get my car in, back there, and I guess there's tech support that the dealer can, can access through the manufacturer to make sure they're doing everything correctly. But the thing that amazes me is it's amazing how efficient and how responsive a large company can be when they want to be. Because here I was getting the runaround for a whole week, and then I, I go to the to the top, and they're, like, falling all over me to now, help me out. why do you find that? I find that normal. Well, it is normal. I know, but I'm just saying it shows that they can respond when they want to respond, but why does it always have to be escalated so high to the top? Why do they put you through the ringer right. before you get to that point? Well, I'll, I'll sum <laughs> it up in a few quick quick versions and throw for a few you. buzzwords in, too, if you want. So. so, number one, have you ever dealt with the healthcare industry? Uh, no, I haven't, but uh, I've, but I've, I've yeah, been on the they, periphery of it, they, and I know it's, they, it's, it's, it's they, a ridiculous yeah, that, that's exercise a, that's a and futility. 
that's a horseshoe around your neck for sure. Yeah. But uh, the um, everything. All right. Let, let, okay. We're, we're going to stay on the car guys report, folks. So hang in there with <laughs> yeah, us. Just yeah. hang in there. But here's a little business lesson as well. The higher you go, the more clout you have. Of course. It's sure. It's just that simple. Yeah. I mean, it. Um, uh, with the possible exception of that as our government, but we won't get into that. Well, even so, the government can be highly efficient when they want to be, too, though. It's amazing. Well, When they really want to be, they can be. Based on what the need is, or yeah. I, I call it a business interruption. Sure. When there's a business interruption, like, for example, you know, right now we've got uh, a virus going around and or whatever, or, you know, a war or yeah. something that, that, that changes the game, then we've got to address it and act on it immediately. Um, my point, though, is that... Uh, um, I can't tell you how many times I've worked at the entry-level call center. Mm-hmm. Let's call it yeah, that. Yeah, that's and, exactly what it is. And then when you get to level two, level three, mm-hmm. um, then something actually happens. Yes. So um, a little lesson to all of you joining us on the Car Guys Report <laughs> is that uh, you can ask for the supervisor up front on your Ameritech or your phone systems or your... Obviously, you're fiat. Yeah, and so, and, and so don't all be, of it works. And don't be afraid to send an email to these higher level executives because chances are they never actually see your email. They just got automatically shuffled to you know an executive customer service. But every time, and I've used executive customer service a couple times with the credit card companies. My girlfriend used it with the bank once, and literally, when you get to that level, they take care of your problem as yeah. quickly and efficiently as possible. And and I was impressed that they called me on the weekend because I don't mind if they're calling me on the weekend. And I actually asked her, I said, so do you work every Sunday? And she goes, I'm on call 24-7 for Mr. Manley, who's the, the CEO of, of FCA or Fiat, FCA actually, uh, FCA group. And it's like, wow, that's really impressive, you know, and, and we respond, you know, immediately with this kind of stuff. So it was, I've, so far from from the executive level, I've, I've received excellent service and i'm looking forward to having this issue finally resolved so so now let me be the person who's listening to us on the line let's ask a few pointed questions okay number one has all the now i remember you had a former fiat just yes so people the know. 2012 which now was that, perfect that gained you a lot of deposits well, in your well, fiat bank account. that's the other thing I, I made sure that they knew i said that you know i've shown brand loyalty to your to your company because I've, I bought a brand new 2012. I traded that on a brand new 2019. And I said, I've shown dealer and service loyalty too, because I've, I bought the, the new car, traded my old car and bought my new car at the same dealer that I initially bought the, the first Fiat from. So I've shown you loyalty over eight years. And I do think that mean should mean something. Right. I would hope. Well, I, and I want to uh, address the, the listener right now. If you have listened to the Car Guys Report, and maybe this is the first time you're listening to one, we're actually going to talk about cars in a second. But (laughs) the thing is, Mark is meticulous. I mean, he does things the right way. And I might add, you're an outstanding letter writer. Thank you. You're very efficient. (laughs) Yes. uh, Almost to a level of expertise unmatched by, I'll say, myself or you know, the normal person. Yeah. So so there's no question that you did all the right things. So let's just put that in the already t- covered category yeah. that you've done all the right things. Now, so is the Pialot, your current yeah. <laughs> Fiat, is that now, would you be happy to get another one? Uh, well, actually, they're not selling this one anymore in the States. So that's one reason I tw- wanted to get would 2019. You t- would you take a new one, though? Well, I bought another. I mean, I, I bought this car new. 
I don't know if you know, like you're talking about, like a like a 124 uh, Spider or just any kind of other new Fiat. Well, if they said, well, you know, oh, they're not going to give me a new car. They'll fix this one, and I'm not expecting to get a new car. But no, I'm 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 holding out for the fact that they'll get this issue finally resolved, okay. and hopefully, I won't have any further problems. That's the question. Yeah, I've so, never so I've never not... broached the thing like I'm I'm so mad I want a new car. No, I've never well, said well, that. How about how about all right? So let's just say you don't get a new car. No, would I'm you, not expecting. Would you accept? your money back um i mean if 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 they came up and they said look we just can't fix your problem here's a b and c i'd have to look at what they would you know say so so you're gonna look at the options i mean granted some of this stuff has been going through my head but i have never said you know all i've told them is look i just want to get this problem fixed so i can move forward all right yeah but if they came up and said something like you know we just can't fix this or we're gonna have to do this here are your options yeah i would consider something if they were to throw that out there sure why not all right Okay, so so right now we're the car is, if I'm correct, back at the dealer. No, it's right outside. Okay, right outside of the when, Car Guys Report studios right, here. So it will the, probably be heading back to the to the dealer sometime this week. I did notice there was a car with a puddle. Yeah, right next to me, so <laughs> it's, I did, it's raining outside, Lou. I, it is raining, and I, I had to step over the puddle. It was like a purple puddle or something. But he's okay. kidding, folks. <laughs> but um, no, the car is outside, but it's not leaking, as far as I can tell. Now, that's the funny thing, though. It, it doesn't leak all the time. And sometimes it'll just be sitting on the drive for days, and there won't be anything out there. And then I might literally pull it in and out of the driveway to get another car out. Do all your neighbors like and, you? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. If there's some neighbor out there that's just no, totally No, no, I don't have any. No, yeah, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> this isn't a girlfriend prank. No, it? Your no. Your girlfriend would not No, no, like she it. wouldn't. She would never do anything like that. But so right now, that's where I stand with, with the Fiat, and I'm hopeful that once I've you know, reach the level of customer service where I have the executive level that uh, things will be resolved because I have been remarkably patient. Sometimes I'm not a real patient guy and I have been remarkably patient with this. And, and it's just, a, it was a very interesting weekend though, because I getting a call back that quickly and just saying, look, you know, you appreciated that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and that, that is impressive. So back, uh, back to the kudos. Show. And so back to the car guys report <laughs> informed automotive, speaking of stuff that happened over the weekend, had the Corvette out for a little spin. The weather was nice. And, you know, spring has sprung, has had a... You have to explain what year and make and model in case somebody joined us for the first time. My Corvette? Yeah. 1992 Corvette C4, which is the... the series, the C4, in black rose metallic, which is code name for purple. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, no, it's it, it's it's a, it's a fun car. I'm having having a good time with it, and I saw five cool cars on the road, Lou, over the weekend. I uh, saw one rat rod actually driving around, mm. uh, and I and rat rods, I can never really tell what they started out as or what they continue to be. So uh, this one was just a very low slung. Um, chopped uh sedan uh four doors probably something from the 30s uh very low slung saw an uh and another early car too because i'm not good with my real early cars after about before about 1935 or so even then i'm I'm not that great on if you show me a a car from the 30s i i may or may not be able to say Mm -hmm. it's a chevy or a buick or whatever so i saw late teens or early 20s what i'm thinking of was a chevy sedan parked in front of a house Mm -hmm. Uh, just a real square uh four-door sedan Mm -hmm. hard top so i know it wasn't a ford i don't think it i'm thinking maybe it was a chevy but definitely late teens early 20s by the definition of your hands that you just showed me it looks like it looks like a 29 
Chevy yeah. or something. Yeah, like it could that. be. Okay. It very could be. Yeah. Saw a cool '72 Torino fastback sitting in front of a, a house in red, and that definitely needed some restoration. But it looked pretty cool because I Torinos are cool cars. I've always liked those. Saw a beautiful, and you'll like this one because you had just done the video on it. Uh, a blue Mercedes AMG GT. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the super duper uh, version that you saw, but this was just a. a it looked like a run-of-the-mill GT, run-of-the-mill in quotes, but just a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful Mercedes uh, AMG GT in blue. And then we had talked about this on a few episodes ago when we were talking about the Hummer H3. I saw an H3 pickup truck, and, and I put in parentheses here on my notes, I put rare because I think we talked about the production figures on those, and they were very low. And I can't even remember the last time I've seen an H3 pickup truck. This was in black. So it looked actually pretty cool. So some neat stuff uh, on the roads uh, out there. Um, I saw a Ferrari the uh, 458 uh, um, out this weekend. Good, yeah. good. What color? White. White. Do you like Ferraris in white? Uh well, I mean, everybody likes a Ferrari <laughs> red, but... Um, I don't. I, I don't like the red. I, so I'm, you like everything but the red. Pretty much, just yeah. Just because the red's so... I'm just not a red guy. I had my Alfa Romeo was red. My, my 51 Chevy pickup was red. And I just find red is a hard color to keep clean and to prevent oxidation yeah. on. And I'm just kind of over red. As okay. a, I like metallic red, like a dark metallic red mm-hmm. is nice, but just a plain non-metallic bright red. I know it's classic for an yeah. Italian car, and that's why when I had my Alpha restored, I actually thought about changing the color, and I'm like, nah, I, I got to just stick with red. Yeah. yeah. So but no. a white, white Ferraris, I think, actually look pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would, yeah, it's a four or five, eight looks pretty cool. So, Period. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't You're care not going to dicker. You don't care yeah. what color it comes yeah, no, in. No, it's going to be fine. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and I'm sure you do because you're listening to us, be sure to tell a friend about us. We're available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. And of course, our email inbox is open 24 7, just like uh, Fiat's customer executive customer service you can email us at carguysreport at hotmail.com we'd love to get your uh, feedback insights complaints suggestions comments kudos anything you want carguysreport at hotmail.com you know lou i know you're not a watch guy you don't really wear watches um actually i just skipped over don't worry we'll do the other the other thing on the outline so don't worry i just somehow skipped ahead a little bit but i know our listener our one of our loyal listeners paul will like this uh, next topic we wanted to touch on briefly that i am a watch guy and there's a lot of crossover between car car guys car collectors and people that are into uh, timepieces and watches um i've been in a watch collector hobbyist now for over 20 years and i pretty much just wear nothing but mechanical uh timepieces whether they're manual wind or an automatic um and it's just a huge, it's a fun hobby. And I, I have a lot of friends that, that cross over between cars and watches. And in Automobile Magazine recently, uh, Jamie Kitman, which is one of their um, uh, edit- editors, he has a column every month called Noise, Vibration, and Harshness. He's got a kind of an interesting background. He's, he's been into rock and roll. He's been into, into politics. And now he's kind of just an acerbic kind of guy that just sits there and, and writes whatever's on his mind. But he likes Volvos. He likes a lot of uh, imports, which is cool, because that's a, a lot of the stuff in my wheelhouse. And he says that he doesn't wear a watch personally, but one of the things that continues to confound me about the car world we live in is the perfect overlap between many of us and committed 
watch people. And my girlfriend probably thinks that I should be committed because I'm a watch person because I have like 75 watches in my collection. And it says, those who both love occupying a sizable chunk of the Venn diagram, plotting the two groups' interests side by side. Uh, Automobile Magazine has written on the subject during the past couple of years uh, how a lot of folk who obsess over cars, it seems, also obsess over watches. And that is true. Um, Kitman talked to Bradley Price, who is the founder of Autodromo, which is a uh, what we call a micro-brand uh, uh, brand in the watches uh, micro brands real quickly i don't want again we're kind of talking off topic a little bit but don't worry it, it goes all back to to cars um micro brand watches are a phenomenon that have started in probably about the last 10 years where pretty much anybody whether it's a, it doesn't even have to be a kickstarter project or something like that online you can just go in if you have enough money, maybe 20, 30 grand, and get in contact with any number of companies uh, based in China that will basically build you the watch that you want to build. You design it, they'll do the drawings, they'll do the machining, they'll do the, the assembly, and it's surprisingly inexpensive. I've got actually got a friend of mine who is just uh, getting ready to launch his brand, and a lot of people, that's why you're just seeing this explosion. It's kind of like the golden age of horsepower that we're living in right now. It's kind of the golden age of watches because there's so many different brands out there now, and they're all produced in very low quantities, you know, a couple hundred, maybe up to a thousand or two thousand. And Autodromo is a, is a company that was started by this uh, Bradley Price. And I have seen some of their stuff for sale online. They're usually in about the thousand dollar and maybe slightly under range, um, depending on if you buy new or used. And they're just basically designed to mimic certain uh, aesthetics of cars, mainly instruments like, you know, the, the dials will have, have, uh, a um, resemblance to like a speedometer or maybe a tachometer, things like that. There's a whole bunch of different automotive type watches you can get out there. Autodromo is one of them. Some of the classics, and they highlight this in the magazine, um, a Tag Heuer Monaco, which is the watch that um, uh, Steve McQueen wore in the movie Le Mans from 1971. It's a square watch with a blue dial. I own one of those. Uh, the Rolex Daytona is a classic chronograph. Um, of course, Rolex is a big sponsor of the 24 Hours of Daytona. Uh, Chopard uh, is a watch company, and they have a Milli Miglia watch, which commemorates the Italian uh, Milli Miglia 1,000-mile rally. And those are some of the classics. I wanted a Monaco just because it is a, a classic, classic watch. A Rolex Daytona right now is a little bit out of my price range. Um, cause they're, they're going, you can't touch a, a brand new Daytona for any less than about 20,000 right now. So <laughs> it's a little, uh, a few thousand for a, de- for a Tag Heuer Monaco. Yes, you can do that. But, um, it's just really interesting though. And so a lot of times when I'm at car shows or cruise nights or cars and coffee, I, I, I look at people's wrists to see what they're wearing. And, and more oftentimes than not, I'll see people wearing cool watches. They don't always have to be just either even car-themed watches like a Tag Heuer. You'll see a lot of Rolex Submariners. You'll see uh, Omegas. You'll see Breitlings. You'll just see a whole bunch of different stuff. So I'm just always fascinated where the, the crossover happens because I like mechanical things, and I think that has a lot to do with it because when you look at a watch, a mechanical watch, it's a mechanical marvel. It's got several hundred pieces in it, tiny little gears and screws. And, and they're incredible because they, they will run a, a high quality mechanical watch like Rolex guarantees its accuracy on a brand new Rolex to be plus or minus, I think it's two seconds a day. And if you realize how many seconds 
how many times that watch is ticking in a 24-hour period and how many uh, in the variation of a, a second or two. It's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's like a 99.99999, you know, whatever, 8% accuracy. They're just cool. And, and, and how many times, Lou, have you looked at your car and just like, you know, when you're in the car and the car's on, and even if it's idling at, you know, 1,000 RPMs or 600 RPMs, you know, your engine's still going up and down like six times a second. I mean, it's just... It's, it's amazing to think yeah. about. Yeah. And a lot of people, and that, I think that's where some of the crossover happens with, with watches being a mechanical marvel and, and cars being mechanical. I, you know, uh, a good friend of mine used to refer to automatic transmissions as automagic transmissions because if you ever try to put your head around how an automatic actually works and how it can shift doing with all the hydraulic pressures and stuff, it is pretty amazing. So I think that's where the crossover happens. So I just wanted to touch briefly on... on, on on the watch aspect of car people, because I definitely fit into that. And I know you don't for whatever reason. I mean, some people just don't wear watches, and especially nowadays, too, with your cell phone, you're, yeah. you have a, 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 a clock on there all the time. You have clocks pretty much everywhere you go. So a lot of people don't wear it, wear watches because they don't feel they need the need have the need to know what time it is. I wear them because I want to know what time it is, but I also wear them. It, it's my only... I hate using the word fashion statement because I'm not a fashion plate by any means. I don't wear any jewelry or anything. So watches are the closest I get to, to jewelry. Yeah. So it, it, watches are like uh, uh, nice cars now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have them anymore because you got a cell phone and it's always telling you the time. But uh, when you decide to, uh, and and to the credit of the people who are the watchmakers because uh, they found the the niche that uh, uh, the niche the niche. Uh, that that captivates people and yeah. uh, kept that going. And the cool thing too about a watch, it's 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 much like a car. You know, a mechanical watch will need service maybe f- every five years, every ten years. It depends on how much it's worn and things like that. And if it's got a chronograph or it's just a straightforward three-handed watch or whatever, but properly maintained, a mechanical watch can can last decades. And very much like a car. I mean, if you take care of your car, especially like a classic car, and you maintain it, it can last a very long time, too. So there's, a, there's an investment quality to it, the fact that it's not a throwaway item. Yeah. And it's and I think that that is something that we're losing sight of a lot in our in our modern world where we're just used to things crapping out and you just throw it out and buy another one where, you know, something like a high quality watch is something you can, you know, I think Patek Philippe uses the, and they're a very high end Swiss maker. They use the tagline in their ads. You never actually own a Patek Philippe. You just merely take care of it for the next generation. <laughs> it's a little bit of snob appeal there. But, you know, when you're talking about watches that cost 50 grand, uh, there is a little bit there. So now we're going to go from expensive Swiss watches to cheap cars. Lou, I know that perfect you're... Perfect segue. Yes, perfect segue. I, I tend to be a little... Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm a cheapskate. I can be frugal at times. Um, I don't know. You, you seem like you're pretty... Uh, pretty uh, non-frugal at times, Lou. I mean, you're, you're a sensible guy, I guess, but you're not a cheapskate. But, um, but feel free to, to say if you are a cheapskate or not, if you... I don't think I'm probably You don't a reuse dental floss <laughs> or anything or... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about where I'm... I'm sure I cheapskate on something. Here or there. Yeah. Uh, came across this in the um, Tribune recently. The cheapest cars that you can buy for uh, 2020 that are on the market now. Some of these are listed as 2019s. Um, but the cheapest cars, they list two of them. A 2020 Chevrolet Spark has a base price of $14,095. A 
And that is the least expensive new car that you can buy in the U.S. A little, uh, obviously, ultra-compact car. And then the 2019 Mitsubishi Mirage starts a little higher. It's about $700 more at $14,790. The cheapest SUVs uh, both come from the same company, Kia, Hyundai. The Kia Soul is $17,490, and that's a car that's been out for a while. It's always gotten pretty good reviews. And the uh, Hyundai Santa Fe, which I wasn't sure if they were still going to make in 2020, but this lists it. It's a larger car, but they say $26,995, which is a, a fairly large leap from $17,490 up to $26,995. I thought you could probably get a, a, another SUV in there a little cheaper than $26,995. But, mm. again, I'm going by um, what they printed here in the newspaper. Cheapest electric cars, the Nissan Leaf at $30,885 or the Hyundai Ionic Electric, which is 31235 and that would be before any um, government rebates uh, would be applied. Cheapest trucks, the 2020 Chevrolet Colorado, which is a pickup truck, 22395 and the 2020, they actually say 2020 Ford F-150. That'd be a completely base F-150 you can get for 29750 which seems cheap because, you know, you, I think you can get the F-150 in something like 8,000 different combinations with, you know, drivetrains, load capacity, beds, and everything, and they can go way up to near $100,000. So 29750 seems pretty cheap. Cheapest hybrids, the 2020 Honda Insight at 23860 or the Corolla Hybrid at 24 4055 the cheapest coupes the Honda Civic at 21880 that's a good car and actually now this is weird too they put the 2019 Chevrolet Camaro in the cheapest coupe category at 25995 and then cheapest sedans the Chevrolet Sonic which is almost like the Chevrolet Spark but it's a four door uh, at seventeen five ninety five, and then two Kias round out the list. Uh, the Kia Forte at eighteen thousand seven fifteen, and the Kia Optima LX at twenty four thousand one hundred and fifteen dollars. I'm trying to remember when I bought my twenty twelve Fiat. I got the complete base model. The only option I had on it was the automatic transmission, and I remember out the door in twenty twelve. With tax, tax, title, license, doc fee, everything, it was sixteen five, and I think I, I'm trying to remember what the base on that. I, I think it was like fifteen grand or fourteen nine at that time. The the Fiat that I just bought had a sticker price of, I want to say, I can't remember if it was seventeen nine something like that. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I, the Fiat would probably be on this list if it was still being sold in the U.S. So just wanted to touch that because, of course, the new average new car cost is about $37,000 these days. Um, just for just for kicks, what's the cheapest car? What's a, the least amount of money you've ever paid for any car? It doesn't have to be a new car. Oh, I, I, I bought a car for 100 bucks. I bought a car for a dollar. So, <laughs> who sold you a car for a dollar? A friend of mine, just to make it legal. All right. Well, that's. I'm talking about where you actually had to make a transaction with somebody and, that. And somebody well, that you we made a transaction. Know. I gave well, him a dollar and he gave me the title. Yeah. All right. So he gave you a car. But my point is, if it was someone you didn't buy a car, yeah. From, um, let's take that. Let's take that one out of the equation. Two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. I remember I bought a '68 Ford LTD for a hundred bucks. I was going to use it for a demolition derby. 
and I drove it that weekend, and I brought it in on Monday. To, I mean, just like put air in the tires or something, and some guy says, I like that car. I said, great. <laughs> Do you want to buy it? He goes, 300 bucks. Wow. I said, I'll, I said, I'll, I'll, here you go. I mean, I said, let me drive it. I'll bring the title. I'll be right back. And ladies and gentlemen, Lou's career as a used car there salesman started. <laughs> right there. Hey, how you doing there, buddy? What can I uh, put you into today? Were you going to um, uh, demo derby that at uh, Santa Fe Raceway? Yeah. The classic Santa Fe Raceway and, and the and demo in, derbies. What a classic that was. In hindsight, was. it was probably a good thing that that happened. I think the, you know, who knows what would have happened to me in <laughs> a demolition derby. And just so people, you know, you know, we are in the um, Chicago area, and, and Santa Fe Raceway has been closed for many years, but the, it was a clay track. Uh, was it a quarter mile, eighth mile? I don't know. They had like a... They, it was an oval, they, and then they, they had the, the figure eight the they could do. The figure eight they could, could do. And I yeah. just thought that would be... You know, sooner Dang. or later, you're, you're smashing into somebody in a figure eight. And they had stock car races there, and they had demo derbies there. And I remember spending, you know, a number of, of Friday and Saturday I, yeah. nights there. I mean, Just classic yeah. in the 70s. It, and In hindsight, oh. I'm sure I would have gotten killed. Yeah. So this is probably <laughs> but, a but, good thing. But you could, but literally, though, you could just bring a car that you wanted to be in the, I don't know what, what all the rules were, but there wasn't much. I mean, you just, I think you just paid your entry fee, and you could, you yeah, could be there. You, you had to have a helmet. And, and you, took, you took windows out. Yeah. I think you were good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Try that now oh yeah um we're at the part in the program where we always talk about um interesting cars that are either for sale or just sold either online or at other uh, avenues and lou this one had me scratching my my head I, I put this as file under too good to be true now i know that if you're into the online world like pretty much everybody is and if you get into the the standpoint of transactions and i'll use watches as a point the watch uh, forums that i go to uh, there's one called watch you seek there's another one called time zone there's another one called WatchNet, and they're all worldwide forums but mainly concentrated mostly in the u.s when you put a you know watch up for sale you'll get any number of scam artists trying to get your information or to get your login credentials so they can impersonate you because you've got good standing. And it's believe me, it's happened to me. I haven't been scammed, but I get scam inquiries. And I'm sure the same thing happens uh, with cars, too, either on Craigslist or other places. And this one, these two just had me scratching my head. These were on Hemmings, and I know Hemmings is a, you know upfront, legitimate place. And this came from the same seller. I'm not going to name the seller because it was actually like a dealer. And I just couldn't figure this out because there were two cars from the same place that were on Hemmings.com, and they don't appear to be there anymore. A 1959 Mercedes-Benz 190 SL. That's that's a great little two-door coupe slash convertible. Had a removable hardtop or a convertible. These cars are gorgeous. Fully restored in great condition. You can't touch one for less than $75,000 and even up to maybe a hundred or even more, depending on how, how nice the car is. This said it was restored in 2006 and they had a price of $26,000 on it, which is at least two thirds below fair market value. And I'm like, that's insane. How could that be a legitimate listing? And then it says a well-loved and well-maintained classic. Price twenty-six thousand. Did it, did it have an engine in it? Or? It said it says rest- restoration was completed in two thousand six, and she has been garaged and maintained in the dry desert Nevada climate. I mean, I just don't get this. And then this one freaked me out too. A nineteen ninety-seven. You were talking about the Ferrari four fifty-eight that you saw. This is a four fifty-six, which is a big uh, V twelve coupe akin to my uh, Aston Martin. A nineteen ninety-seven Ferrari four fifty-six for. 
$21,400. And I'm like, what? And it's like current value at least sixty to seventy-five thousand on a on a four on a four fifty-six. Wow, that's a good-looking car. Yeah, for twenty-one thousand dollars too, especially. It says mint condition, freshly serviced, zero accidents, clear title. It's like, so, come so on. So is this like a um, what's the word I want to say? No, uh, I don't no know reserve if it, or no. It wasn't an auction. It was it was for sale. It said price. This was not an auction, and I just don't understand it. I mean, I don't know if it was a come on. I mean, I looked at this to make sure that it's like, you know, $26,000 down and three fifty one a month. No, it says price, 26000 Price, 21400 So did you buy it? No, I didn't buy it. I don't want to lose $21,000 and not get a Ferrari. <laughs> I just assume it was just some kind of a scam or somebody was playing a joke or something because I just don't understand it. I mean, it's the first time I've seen that appear. So if you're from Hemmings, uh, you know, send us an email at carguysreport at hotmail.com and let us know what the, uh, the deal was. Because, you know, if you had the money, Lou, I, I would have bought both of these cars for those prices. You could have bought both cars and then and sold still them had, for double that. Triple. And, yeah. Triple that. I mean, the Ferrari alone is worth at least sixty to 65000 especially in the condition it's in. And this Mercedes, easily seventy five, eighty grand every day of the week. So I just had that scratching my head, and I just wanted to bring that up on the program because I just thought well, it was let an me, interesting Let me help you. When topic. you see those scratching your head Should I call you? Like that, yeah, call Lou. <laughs> you can so, be the guinea pig. Yeah, I'll be the guinea pig. I've done that before. Good, I will. I'll, I, I'll let call, you know next I call time. third level support. Over yeah, at, uh, there you go. At Hemmings. At, at sellmycar.com. <laughs> see what happens. Am it, I reading this right? Is there a missing I just, number here? I just, I, I freaked out. I couldn't believe it. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, then be sure to check out some of the other fine programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the show. Lasano and friends. It comes from uh, our friend and producer, Tony Lasano. You can join Tony and his very funny friends for a casual, comedic conversation about everything. That's Lasano and friends. It is uh, on the Radio Misfits podcast network. You can go to opishows.com. That's O P P I H shows.com, wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits, and that's where you'll find us, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. We're having um, just a great time today talking about uh, what else? Cars. That's what we do here on the Car Guys Report. Lou, this is something that came from Road and Track magazine, a listing of what they called unreliable classics that we still love. Uh, a lot of these problems that being unreliable, I wrote down as being a lot of them could be age-related just because of a lot of these cars are 30, 40 years old. So it's not necessarily a, a bad design, but maybe just age-related. But I'll just start going down the list. It's not in any kind of order. I made a couple of uh, notes on it, and I'm sure that you've covered a lot of these on your uh, My Car Story with Lou channel, so I'll just uh, start. The Porsche 928. I like that. I like that car, too. Yeah. And I think the earlier ones are probably a little more problematic, because that car came out in like 76 or 77, which is pretty old already, 45 years old. I think by the time they... they they discontinued it in the mid to late 80s. 80s. I thought it was an 80s car. No. Well, that's when it started getting popular. But I think 70, I want to say 77, 78. Wow. Yeah. But by the mid to late 80s, when they stopped production, that car was awesome. And, you know, it's an expensive car just because I think parts will start getting a little hard to find. Although uh, another one of our listeners um, 
has a Porsche 928 that he bought at the Mecham auction, Don, and uh, I have yet to see that car. He hasn't had it that long, but I'm curious to see what kind of uh, of uh, experience he has with that. Remember the Jensen Interceptor? Yeah. With the Chrysler uh, engine in it? So I would think those are pretty reliable just because they have, they have Chrysler American power, but they're still British. So you're going to still have a lot of the electrical gremlins, I think. And that kind of dovetails with the next one, the classic Di Tommaso Pantera, which is a great car. That had a Ford Cleveland 351 V8 in it, but it's still Italian. So it's still going to suffer from somewhat poor build quality back in the early to mid-70s, electrical gremlins, things like that. The Alpha GTV6, which is a very cool car, and I put unreliable, not really. I mean, I had an Alpha for, you know, my Alpha Spider I had for 17, 18 years, and once I got a couple of things sorted out on it, nothing major, the car was very, very reliable, rock solid, really. Mechanically, it was great. Body-wise, it was solid. It just, I didn't really think that there was anything delicate or, or unreliable really about it. I just think that sometimes the stigma of a, British car or an Italian car, no matter what it is, sticks with it. And I think that's one reason why Fiat had, you know, wanted to make sure they were getting things right when they came back into the market here after so many years out, because people have that fix it again, Tony, um, remembrances back in the seventies and and early eighties. So, um, the Aston Martin Lagonda, remember that, that was that big four door kind of real wedgy thing that they brought out. In the late, I think it was the late 70s, and that thing was a digital electronic nightmare. It had this fully digital dashboard about 10 years, 15 years before anyone even tried to do that. And people actually restore those things now. They're beautiful when they're restored, but, boy, I just would not want to touch one of those with a 10-foot pole because it's just a, ugh, just a terrible thing. And there's nothing you can do to retrofit any of that stuff, too. The uh, Citroen SM, that had a Maserati engine in it. That was the V6 uh, engine in the uh, Citroen SM that also had the the headlights that would move with the um, steering wheel. A couple of Ferraris that uh, made the list, the Ferrari 308 and the F355, mainly, I think, because of uh, the maintenance with the timing belts. Uh, They're talking about $10,000 minimum expense for an engine out servicing on those cars. Although I know that some people that have 308s that, claim that you can do the timing belts, I think, without pulling the engine. So I'm not positive on that. But I know that that's usually the first thing you hear about with Ferrari owners. They go like, or when you're looking at a Ferrari, like, well, you got to get the timing belts changed every 15,000 miles and you got to pull the engine to do that. And that costs $15,000 because you might as well do a bunch of other stuff too. So I don't know if that's becoming less and less important as as things go on or not i'm not sure another porsche on the list the 924 turbo which was a a neat car they didn't build for that long the turbo i think was only out for a few years i said it's an overlooked car i don't think it's that bad because the 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 porsche 924 actually was developed to be an a volkswagen or an audi originally and then it they decided to give it to porsche to sell as a kind of an entry-level vehicle Of course, no unreliable classics we still love list would be complete without a couple of Jaguars on the list. The E-Type, which is debatable because I think everyone knows how to get around problems with E-Types these days. I think the earlier ones, obviously, if you bought one in the 60s, maybe it was a a problem. The V12s, I know, were known for very high underhood temperatures. Um, 
they would basically cook all the hoses and the elect, you know, wiring and stuff. Again, our, our listener, Don, who's got the Porsche 928, he's a good guy. We're, we were actually going to get him on the program one of these days. He's got an E-Type. He's got a 69, beautiful 69 E-Type, six-cylinder. And that car has been great. He loves it. And it's a, a very nice car. Uh, Jaguar XJS, six or 12-cylinder. Those can be a little dicey. Um, probably even... Uh, worse with the 12 cylinder but again they're they're dirt cheap cars and they're big big luxury cars and that's actually the car that the aston martin db7 vantage that i own is based on so uh again yes or no who knows the uh lotus esprit mid-engine hard to service uh range rover you know kind of a touchy car at times most of these things have a lot to do with uh, electronic stuff an RX-7 uh, Mazda, the problems with the Apex seals uh, needing replacement on higher mileage cars. And then the car that we've talked about here and uh, back and forth at times, uh, Lou, on the Car Guys Report, the BMW 850i, which is that V12 coupe. And um, Rodentrack said it's a bunch of 30-year-old computers controlling the engine. But it's like, okay, well, you could say that almost about my Aston Martin, too. It's got a V12. The car's 20 five years no 20 18 years old now and sure it's not 30 years old yet but it's got a bunch of computers controlling the engine too and that's something that you have to think about any car that you buy now or even that's 10 years old that's going to be a classic we'll have a bunch of computers controlling the engine 10 20 and 30 years down the line so i don't know if that's a valid thing or not because i know at least in europe there's a whole sub uh company uh versions of companies that will take your um existing ecu from a car and either rebuild it or upgrade it not we're not talking about like performance upgrades we're talking about like if you have a car and the ecu craps out and you can't get it from the company anymore so they'll take your your existing ecu and rebuild it and i I, i'm surprised that we haven't seen more of that in the in the u.s because that is going to be i think one of the biggest problems with cars that were built probably 1990 and on is what what are you going to do as a collector when these computers start failing and they they control so many different things on cars these days um i mean how's the reliability been on your jaguar great yeah yeah no problem but that's a pretty new car though isn't it uh 2010 yeah so okay it's 10 years old now. yeah and you have no no issues with that none yeah and your your uh, Viper is a little older, but that's been a yeah, reliable car for you, too. Yeah, but there's, like, no computers on that thing. It's just... Yeah, you're right. There's no ABS, and there's... <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a go-kart not, with yeah, a V10. Yeah, there, there, well, there's a few computers on there, but but um, not to the extent. And we are going to have a story, too, something I came across actually today in the news, and this will be on a episode in the future, uh, a story that kind of hits home with this whole, you know, cars are getting way too complex way too computerized, way too dependent on technology. We're going to have a, a I, story I have, about I that. I do have a computer story for you. Sure. So, so I'm driving my um, Ford Explorer, and it's the middle of summer. That's pretty much your, your daily driver? Yeah, that's my daily driver. And all of a sudden, the heater goes full crank, and I can't shut it off. I'm talking windows down. It's probably 70 degrees outside, and it's blowing as hot as it possibly And you have automatic climate control in there? Yeah, nothing's working. Okay. Can't shut it off. Yeah. Nothing's working. And the short story was I brought it to the mechanic. He said, Lou, all we got to do is disconnect the battery and restart the computer. But it wasn't just, I said, okay, we'll just pull it off and put it back on. He goes, no, you have to wait 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, 10 minutes, really? Can't we just pull it <laughs> off, put it back on? It's like, Lou, 10 minutes. 
10 minutes, we put it back on, and it was, and it fine. was working fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. I know. I, I, I had a... Uh, I had a 1992 uh, Saab 9000 CD, and it was the Griffin edition, which was uh, just an appearance package. I only made 400 of them. It was uh, eucalyptus green, which is kind of a minty, foresty, metallic green with a taupe leather and suede interior. Very cool car. This is probably the, that was probably the best Saab I ever owned just because it had, a, had the 2.3 liter turbo in that in that thing four cylinder 2.3 liter turbo great engine great car and that had being a 92 it had it had abs it had a very very rudimentary traction control system um and every now and then the traction control system would just like default to its limp home mode and all you'd have to do is literally just turn the car off and turn it back on and reboot it and then it would go away. But it's just like, yeah, it, it, it's kind of scary to think that we're at that age where, you know, okay, now you got to reboot your computer at home. <laughs> you got to reboot your computer that has four wheels on it uh, every now and then, too. And you've never had that issue um, resurface. Not yet. Not yet. And that was how long ago? Oh, I'd say five years ago. Okay. Well, 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 if it hasn't resurfaced in five years, that's pretty good. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Sperm smoothies. Michael Jordan can do whatever he wants. Rick's brush with Neil Young. And we interview writer, comedian, author Josh Gondelman. All that and unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. On the next Back to You with me, Howard Sudbury, and my co-host Steve Baskerville. We will talk about my overuse of social media and Steve's non-use of it. What's wrong with me? Ah, that's a whole nother show. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an OPI show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back here at the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Lou, I just wanted to touch on one other story before we get to our My Car Story with Lou guessing game, something that's always a highlight for the uh, episode of the Car Guys Report. Jeep is going to be building a museum, or I should actually say a Jeep museum is coming to Toledo, Ohio. It's a nonprofit organization that's planning to open the Jeep experience in the city where Jeeps have been manufactured for decades. They're hoping to uh, open by 2022. It's going to be a 56,000-square-foot interactive Jeep museum, and they're hoping to uh, draw about 250,000 visitors annually. Uh, just for some backstory, Toledo has been the site of Jeep production since the 1940s and Willie's Overland production since more than a century. Ago and it's currently where Jeep's Wrangler and Gladiator uh, models are built. And it says FCA has uh, played a role in the planning of the museum and will continue to do so as the project goes forward. And that got me thinking, you know, Jeep museums, are there any car museums you've been to that you've really enjoyed over the years or ones that you, that you know about and you want to visit? Because there's a couple on my list that I'd like to... Uh, to go to maybe we should go to them together sure that'd be crazy if they're the same if they're the (laughs) same one um car museums well first of all there's there's quite a few so i feel you know almost um i want to give them proper all the proper respect i mean i think there's a lot of good car museums out there so let me start with that but uh, ones that i've been to that i've enjoyed 
uh, Volo, although they do sell cars out mm-hmm. there. That's local for us. That's 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 one of the best car museums um, here. And, and I'm now picking just the Chicago area. So uh, the other great car museum is the Claremont Collection. Uh, that's a uh, that's a, a museum that's that's fantastic. Claremont with a K, and then it's collections with a K. Uh, Larry Claremont's collection, and uh, it's not just the museum, but it's the automobilia. And both Where is these that places. located? Because I'm not actually not familiar with that, that. one. That one's at um, uh, not too far from Wrigley Field. Okay, so it, it, I just I thought it was in downtown Chicago. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and Volo is out in Volo, Illinois, yeah. which is almost uh, to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Gilmore, I've heard a lot of good yeah, things about Yeah, the that. Gilmore is on my list uh, in Hickory Corners, I believe it is, Michigan. And um, it's supposed to be ph- phenomenal. They have a lot of, like, uh, they have tons of space there. It's, like, yeah. it's a huge campus. And they actually have, like, a Cadillac dealer that they built for the Cadillac section. Mm-hmm. And it mimics the, you know, like a 1950s or 60s Cadillac dealer. Yeah, the Gilmore definitely. You haven't been there, though, right? Not yeah, yet. I haven't been there either. So that's that that's one of the ones i wanted to want to go to at some point and also the the studebaker cord auburn that I've been or, or to. cord auburn yeah yeah museum and then the studebaker museum is separate but they're both in indiana cuz indiana right. has such a long history of car production how is the cord auburn dusenberg uh, museum that's it probably from a visual standpoint it would remind you of um the science and industry no, not that the uh the field museum okay. beautiful building yeah beautiful I've seen floors pictures, yeah um, it's totally Art Deco, which yeah, is awesome. I, it just uh, the 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 surrounding environment is beautiful. Uh, the Henry Ford's out that mm-hmm. way, um, so that's uh, uh, a great one too. Um, you know, there's a there's a Pontiac Museum in Illinois. I haven't been to that. Oh, down in Pontiac, right? There's yeah. one out in Rockford, Illinois. I think they even call it like Jamestown, Illinois, or okay. something. That's I haven't been to that, but they've got some cars out there the peterson museum is that's one that the, I really the other would like yeah to go that's the to. other one that's on my list because um, i know peterson is supposed to be amazing and i think they should be calling us yeah. actually i think <laughs> peterson should be calling well you just want that saying, press pass that you were talking to me about you know yeah, i'm gonna press the press pass <laughs> at the peterson because i would like exclusive on some of those cars you know in the basement tour and the whole thing so yeah half the time um, at a museum the stuff they don't put out is as interesting as the stuff that's already right. out on the floor. Right, right, you know, right. so <laughs> so those are those are a few that that come to mind that I'd like to see. But there's another one that's uh, out on the uh, west coast, and I'm trying to think about it. I think it's called the Nethercut. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I may be saying it wrong. Somebody can correct us. What's the website? It's, or what's the email to it's correct? Car guys, <laughs> car guys report at hotmail dot Car guys report at hotmail dot Yeah, the Nethercut. Yeah, yeah. And are you sure? Is that still in? Because I thought that they had sold off a bunch of cars from that. That kind of a bell. Um, there's also, um, I don't know, I think it's still there. Okay. And then there's the, the, the LeMay Museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's out in Washington. There's a microcar museum in Nashville, I believe, which looks amazing because there's, you know, microcars are totally cool. Well, I, I got to give a shout out to Tim Walborn at the, uh, in Alabama with the uh, Walborn Auto Museum. And I think if I went down there, I think Tim would let me drive one of those purely original NASCARs on the street of Alabama. <laughs> So, and I, I'm being serious. I think, I think if I asked him nicely, because I think the cops down there like all know him. Yeah. Well, so, you were telling so, so driving. I think a NASCAR you were telling me that no story. Plates. You were telling me that story last time, or was it off mic yeah. or something? Because so, yeah. So he can't. You know, I, th- I don't think he's going to pull that off in Chicago. But I think down in Alabama, they know him, and they're like, "Oh, it's Tim Wellborn from the Wellborn Museum. We'll let him drive his full blown NASCAR <laughs> right down the street." So we well, just keep it under 150. Yeah. It'll be fine. Well, I, you know. <laughs> 
I wouldn't be doing that in a neighborhood, but I, you know, if there's an open highway, maybe we can run it up to 120 or something, and which probably wouldn't take long. You know, so I'm trying to be conservative. There's another museum too that is not car related, but motorcycle related in Anamosa, Iowa. Um, pretty much uh, maybe about 50 or so miles uh, over the border from Illinois. And it's a, a great motorcycle museum there. It's in an old Walmart, actually, so they got plenty of space. And I've driven by it. We didn't stop because we didn't have enough time the last time we were out that way. But it's not the, all that far away. And if you're into motorcycles, and I know some of our listeners are, definitely um, that's another uh, museum that would be uh, definitely worth your while visiting, I think. But some cool stuff to work on, there's, Lou. There's a, there's a muscle car museum, and I want to say Punta Gorda, Florida. Okay. That was an old Walmart, as you said, yeah. that I kind of brought it to mind. Um, so in other words, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of great museums. So uh, again, it's the car guys report at hotmail.com. Send you your it. press passes yeah. <laughs> for Mark and Lou and give us, give me the exclusive. I'll bring my camera. We'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll do a barter here. I'll, I'll video some of your cars and, um, uh, you know, maybe we'll even give Mark the keys to one of them. To take there you go. The block. Thank you. And speaking of cameras and things like that, um, we'll get to that in a minute. I have to always remember to work in our promos here. If you like listening to the Car Guys Report, of course you do, because uh, that is uh, what we're doing right here. And you're listening to us now. As long as you're listening to us, please take a moment to give us some ratings as well on uh, Apple Podcasts. We've got some nice five-star ratings. It certainly could use a few more. Uh, you can catch our podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And you can also subscribe to the Car Guys Report. Anytime there's new content, which is once a week, you'll get an automatic notification of that. And also, too, just remember that whenever you're listening to a podcast, it's listening on your own terms. Whether you're listening on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop, you can fast forward, you can rewind, you can replay, you can go back and re-listen to stuff that you already listened to. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. It's totally free, and it's listening on your terms. That's what's so great about the world of podcasting with the Radio Misfits podcast network this is the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with luke hostable we're at that point in the program where we're going to play the car guys report guessing game and that is where lou has uh will pick out three cars that he has uh uh featured on his uh popular youtube channel called my car story with lou and i have to try to guess what car had the greatest number of views and i have no idea what he's going to present to me so this is completely unrehearsed and sometimes i bomb and sometimes i get them right so we'll see what happens today so so understand that on the the youtube channel my car story with Luke, you could video the same car get completely different view results and um even myself i never really know what's going to take off and what doesn't take off i it's surprising. Sometimes you think something's yeah. going to be a dud, and it's a superstar, and vice versa. So. Right. Yeah. There's all right. So here's our three for today, and and defining these, they all came out on the same week, uh, so that uh, they're all in the same area, and uh, one of them is uh, very close. One and two are pretty close, okay. and then three is kind of dropped off the table all compared right. to the other two. So I usually do this in eldest to newest. So the oldest one is a 1959 Ford Fairlane 500 Galaxy Convertible. Wow, that's a mouthful. 1959 Ford Fairlane 500 Galaxy Convertible in white. And it's not a retractable hardtop, though, right? Not a retractable okay. hardtop. 
The next one is a 68 Oldsmobile Olds Cutlass S W31 Ramrod in black. And a real W30. A real W31. 31. So what was the difference? Because I know the W30. Well, the W30 <laughs> would be the 400 or bigger engine, and the 31 was a 350. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, with a little emblem on the front fender by the uh, side marker light that has the word ramrod uh, on it, and uh, that was not uh, a little pinstripe tattoo put on there. It was actually put on by the factory. Wow. That, then, that's a kind of a masculine car. Hey, baby, you want to see my ramrod? That is exactly <laughs> correct. 1968 Oldsmobile Olds Cutlass, Cutlass S W31 Ramrod in black. The last one, 1969 Plymouth Cuda in bronze M-Code 440 engine. Now, the M-Code was, uh, you had 383s back then, but if you check the M-Code box, you got the 440. And actually, in 69, they actually had a little decal on the fender that said Cuda 440 on it. So it was pretty easily distinguishable that it was a 440, making you say, hmm, 440 yeah okay so i'll go through the three again 59 ford fairlane 500 galaxy convertible and white and engine sound all of these have engine sound 1968 oldsmobile olds cutlass sw31 ramrod in black and the 69 plymouth cuda m code in bronze i have a feeling i'm going to totally muff this one up but i'm going to go with the the cutlass w31 the Barracuda second and the Ford Convertible third. Well, the Ford Convertible was our winner. <laughs> well, see, I so, told you. <laughs> so the Ford Convertible came I, out. I had and a feeling it was either going to be the winner or the loser. I just I did uh, not wasn't... think it was going to be as popular. It had thirteen thousand wow. seven hundred and ninety-three views. In second place was your number one pick, okay. which was the Ramrod, uh, the nineteen sixty-eight Olds W thirty-one with twelve thousand. 129 views, so mm-hmm. about 2,000 views less, the 1,500. And in last place, the Plymouth Cuda in bronze M-Code, which shouldn't be in last place. No. That was a great car. And uh, I think they only made something like 50 of these. Wow. So the, the one challenge you have when you put such a great rare car up versus the Ford 500 Galaxy probably was not nearly as rare. But now, of course, you don't see many 59. Well, it's flashy because it's a convertible and, and things it like that. Fins on yeah. It, but but the, the M code clearly, even the Ramrod was very, very rare at the time, uh, and even still today. But uh, yeah, that M code was, you know, people aren't looking that up generally. No, so. and plus, if you see the, the, the Barracuda, you're not going to necessarily notice that tiny little, I mean, I'm sure you highlighted it, but the tiny little M440 thing on the fender and being bronze too i mean is that a color that people just don't associate with a muscle car well the it it is bronze and it's a pretty big sticker okay on the fender so it is pretty unmistakable it does say cuda in big black letters and then 440 so the the black off the bronze on this particular stand out and and since it was one of the features at uh, carlisle uh, they actually had um two of them there one of them was unrestored so it was almost unrecognizable <laughs> and then they had a completely restored so it was for, uh, and a matter of fact there might have even been a third one there wow but um uh, as i'm thinking about it but the bottom line is extremely rare and to see one is and, and of course whenever uh, what's what what's astounding to me is the level of detail 
that people will put in to get these cars back to original. Or oh, sure. Original. And the amount of time, you know, how long was the restoration? Two years, three years, yeah. five years, seven years. It's, it's just unbelievable. And now you're getting the chance to look at their completed work. I, I just always remember, this is many years ago, when I saw um, a uh, Corvette that was restored to Bloomington Gold standards or whatever. And I'm looking at it, and the car was gorgeous. I, I can't remember what it was. It might have been a, a split window or a, some kind of stingray from the, from the 60s. And <clears throat> I was noticing the overspray like underneath the uh hood at a certain part and i'm like thinking what's going on here and the guy goes well that's the way they came from the factory so i had to recreate that because i'm not over restoring this car i'm restoring exactly how it came out of the factory because if you're doing a perfect restoration you certainly wouldn't have that overspray but in order to get the points with bloomington gold or whatever at a show you need that overspray from the factory to to be there it's just unbelievable like you said that the level of detail i mean to, to, to research something that much to know that it should be there is amazing yeah, there's a um, a car on the channel. That it was just, we were just, I was just sharing that we were at the world. Of, I was at the World of Wheels in Chicago, and I saw this car again. And f- from when I videoed it, which you can see it, it's a 1965 Buick Riviera in bronze, which was a, a show car Cadillac color that they put on this car to be a show car. And, and uh, just look at the level when when the guy first had it. It had rebar on the floor. <sighs> Like, you know, bars yeah. going across the floor. Not a floor, bars going yeah. across the floor so you could, like, stand Wow. In. And now I asked him, since I seen him, uh, Colonel Andy Starr, I said, I said uh, you know, Colonel, what uh, what have you done since I've seen it last? He says, Lou, I've made 50 improvements to the car. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there weren't 50 possible ways you could improve the car last time. Um, so we talked about some of them. One of them was the back window had some scratches on it. So I had to replace it, and then I had to get the correct date code etched into the exactly. window. Yep, yep. Stuff like this. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you just say? You had the correct date code etched. You know, I mean, just the level that people will go. I uh, draw the line at T3 headlights in my Impala, and that's... Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> but no, it's amazing, yeah, yeah to, it is to, amazing. to do all that stuff. Cool. If you're not familiar with uh, Lou's uh, YouTube channel, it's My Car Story with Lou. He's got uh, over, what, 1,700 now? 1,500? Oh, yeah, I think it's 1,500. 1,500 videos, uh, well over um, 70,000 about yeah, subscribers so far we're at seventy two thousand today by yeah. the time this comes out it'll probably be at 75 that's awesome so yeah. make sure you check it out if you haven't just uh, tons of very cool uh, videos on very cool cars and every uh, episode of the car guys report we always like to do our little guessing game and talk about some of the cars that lou has featured on his youtube channel Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, uh, Lou and I will be donning our tuxedos. It's our 52nd show. That means we've made it one year. We'll pop the champagne, and uh, you can join us for this special anniversary bull session of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. That is radiomisfits.com. This Opie podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Minutia Men on the Radio Misfits. Do, 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 do. Today on this week's Minutia Men, we're talking about Nazi stuff. Oh, and then we're talking, we're talking about a cub, because we do that. And we have an interview with a guy or a girl. We don't even know. It's Mark Cuban. We're interviewing celebrities. <laughs> Ooh, it's a Man celebrity interview. Ooh, we clearly we're all in a great place for this. We're, just, <laughs> we're spending like a full minute ripping on Minutiaman. The only reason we even exist, the only reason this whole goddamn network exists, I swear. The best thing this show has going for it right now is that it's on the same network as Minutiaman. And friends. An Opai show on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com If you missed Los Anno or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. I'm Rokan. Do you like to talk about (laughs) politics? I actually don't. Politics, the problem is I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm the way that that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the the hosts are either very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything that they're saying. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple things that worry me about the future. This is, I'm getting to be an old man, because it's like, all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have Armenian girls having sex with black guys. You know, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What are they talking about? I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy, because I I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, but I I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, But I'm a centrist. I could see both sides, and I decide who's who's got the better idea at that moment that I think is going to be better for the future. It's not always the same thing. It's not always some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me, and most of the right stuff doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels. No, no, no. It's all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. And it's like, no, it's just talking points. The Federal Trade Commission should do something about that. It is completely entertaining. And I've worked in cable news, yeah. and I use that term loosely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know you think God. that Glenn Beck oh my gosh. has any... I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay, yeah. Glenn yeah. is a showman. I mean, he's he, he didn't get in this for the right. politics of it. Right, right. I think Rush truly believes what he says that. Really? I do. I yeah. always thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything. No, wow. I think he really believes it. Mm. And he's very he's entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it. And he could do it without calls. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's what I'm very saying. few guys can do that. Right. There's everybody in Conservative Talk Radio has a first and last name. That's like the same thing, Hugh Hewitt. <laughs> and uh, like Lou Lewis. And there's guys, I mean, there, literally, there are guys that, you know, Tom Thompson. It's like, really? You think we're that stupid that we can't remember your name? That you have to name yourself twice? You should have been Assholes. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell. Los Anno, or whatever it's called.
Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's our 52nd episode. That means we made it one year. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for a look back on the first year of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.